It's very hard to keep track of the uh, many legal cases that the Donald is facing, but uh, back for his uh, regular update on Matters American, I'm pleased to welcome Eleanor Lifer, Bruce Shapiro. Bruce, of course, contributing editor with The Nation and uh, executive director of the Dart Centre for Journalism and Trauma at Columbia University. Where best to begin, Bruce, perhaps with the massive fine, what is it, $355 million that the court has uh, handed down to Donald, would you be please be our court reporter and tell us what that was for? <laughs> it was for a lot. Uh, $355 million is a big number. This was handed down uh, in... Federal court in New York State by, uh, or rather in a New York State court by Judge Arthur N. Goron. It was a civil fraud trial. Uh, this was the, the first of the many cases involving Trump to reach a verdict, reach a trial. And this one involves, um, in some ways, the matter's closest to his heart, closest to his, closest to the bone for Trump, his money. Uh, the claim in this case, the uh, uh, plaintiff's claim, was which Judge Goran upheld, was that Trump had uh, overstated the value of his property and then at various times understated it, um, all in order to get financing in order to get loans. And more than a year ago, Judge Angoron found that as a matter of fact, this charge brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James um, was true. And the only question was what the penalty was going to be. The interesting thing about this very big number, which would burn through what we think is most of Trump's available cash, $355 million. This plus, very plus big interest, number, Bruce, plus interest. Plus interest, yes. And by the time it's done, it'll probably more like $400 million. Um, actually, Trump got off light in this. That's the interesting thing. Um, Judge Angoron made the point of saying that in his ruling that Donald Trump is, however bad he is, is not Bernard Madoff and and not a serial killer either. Um, originally, Judge Angoron had threatened to pull and entirely prevent Trump from doing business ever again in the state of New York and indeed to dissolve his companies, to impose a kind of corporate death penalty. Uh, there was a lot of pushback from legal scholars on that um, uh, from many quarters. So this very big number is actually a little bit better than Trump went into this thinking he might end up with. He's also been banned for the next three years from operating any business in the state of New York, which includes his own. Uh, His two sons, Donald and Eric, are similarly banned for shorter periods of time. And perhaps most stingingly of all, there is now a court-appointed monitor who has been uh, sitting there inside the Trump company for months now because of Judge Angoran, who now has a permanent place who is going to be overseeing all of the funny money <laughs> um, which has kept the Trump empire going. So this is, while it, 
This did not threaten Trump with jail, as the other three cases pending in criminal courts do. Um, it actually does substantially cut into his business and may require him to sell buildings in order to raise money to pay the bond or pay the fine or do whatever it is he needs to do. Make no mistake, this was a very big hit. Coming, let us remember, just a couple weeks after what felt like a very big hit in the E. Jean Carroll case of well, more than $80 million. So, you know, at this point, um, former President Trump is on the hook in court fines of more than $400 million. I can't think of anyone less appealing, but I presume Trump will appeal? Um, he is going to... There is not really a chance in hell that the fundamentals of this judgment will be overturned. Uh, the data was really quite clear, and the defenses that Trump offered essentially were, well... The value of property is all a fiction anyway, and anyway, none of my none of the people who lent me money lost any money on this. But the the simple fact of the fraud, the simple fact of the lying, was there in black and white, and there in the testimony of witnesses, and it's very straightforward. It is possible that on appeal, the amount of the fine will be reduced. But we can expect uh, former President Trump to owe a big piece of this one for a long time. I think we can crowdfund the fine for him, I mean, because there's so many of us are devoted to uh, the Donald. Now, meanwhile, let's uh, go from uh, the Donald to uh, a certain notorious congressman, Santos, not to be confused, of course, with the sainted Soros. Tell me about what's been going on in Long Island. Well, this is very interesting. The serial fabulist and Trump ally, George Santos, of course, was evicted from Congress a few months back. And there was a special election to replace him last week. It was a very close race. Uh, Santos District obviously swung Republican the last time uh, in 2020. Um, it's a part of Long Island that has tended to go Republican in recent years, and in particular, where um, many voters seem sympathetic to the Trumpian tropes about crime and immigration and the destruction of America. Um, interestingly, the Democrat, it was the Democrat, uh, Tom Suozzi, a well-established politician, right, uh, who won that seat last week by a substantial margin. Uh, and he did it by, uh, in part, calling on President Biden to do more on immigration, but at the same time was not really you know, running to the center on most issues. It was a substantial Democratic win, and it is being looked at all over the country, not just because uh, the notorious Santos was replaced by a Democrat, but because, first of all, this narrows Republican control even more to uh, – it's been so marginal, Republican control of the House. And actually, there are five seats. This is one of five seats around New York State, which the Democrats are trying to flip in the coming election, which in and of itself – would swing 
would do a big part of swinging the House back into Democratic hands. And Suozzi's uh, campaign, based in part on abortion rights, on voters' exhaustion with Trump and disgust with the kind of constant drama, um, suggests a pathway forward in suburban independent or sometimes Republican swinging districts. It, it is, you know, on the one hand, it's a special election. It was a day when there was lousy weather, which may have changed the turnout. But there was no doubt that the Republicans, you know, got their hats handed to them in this one. You described uh, Santos as a fabulist. His whole life was a, a wonderful work of fiction. He should be up for the Booker Prize. Would you... Uh, Remind the listener what he lied about. Everything. Uh, <laughs> he he uh, he claimed at one point to be Jewish, and he's not. He claimed to he defrauded campaign contributors, which is what got him kicked out of of Congress, by spending their money on luxury goods. Um, the the list of of lies is just too long even to summarize. And frankly, my, the, the part of my brain that tracks Republicans' lies or politicians' lies of all kinds, it should be said, um, was the circuits are overwhelmed. I can't even uh, recall them all right now. Uh, there's really, in the long life of lying politicians, and that's, you know, all our lives, there's really never been anyone in American politics quite like Santos, unless you go to the Donald, who is, you know, barely inside that. It's true the Donald has never claimed he was Jewish. Um, <laughs> other than that, what we are seeing in one court case after another is a serial con man and fraudster now appearing in black and white. Of course, everybody has known this for years, but it is now being legally proven in one case or another, and, you know. Bruce, I predict, I predict you'll bob up again on Fox News, probably replacing Tucker. Now, could the Republicans' refusal to pass legislation uh, tightening immigration backfire in the uh, in the presidential campaign? Well, President Biden certainly is hoping that it is. Uh, just today, he sort of challenged Speaker of the House Mike Johnson to come to the White House and negotiate uh, about the border, negotiate about Ukraine, negotiate about Israel with him. Um, and, you know, it is not just Democrats who are appalled by this. There is a substantial faction um, of Republicans, both in the Senate and in the House, who are openly talking about their frustration that the um, Trump faction in the House seems uninterested in governing, even when the White House agrees to a proposal for the border that meets a big chunk of their agenda. Um, you know, you've got record numbers of senior Republicans who you would expect to stay around, enjoy their committee chairmanships, gain power in the House. Substantial numbers of them have announced they're going to be retiring this year. And so many are talking about their disgust, not at partisan politics in general, but at their own caucus and its unwillingness to govern. You have one member of Congress who voted, who dared to vote against the groundless impeachment of uh, Homeland uh, Security Secretary Mayorkas. Um, he's being 
harassed essentially out of office, run out of town on a rail by his own party, um, got all kinds of frustration being expressed in Republican ranks. The party really is fracturing over this kind of stuff. Uh, in Michigan, you've got two different factions of the Republican Party, both of them Trumpian functions, claiming, trying to claim control of the nomination process. It's pretty wild out there. Well, one of the fracture lines involves one of uh, the Donald's most loyal campaigners, the chair of the National Republican Committee, who's uh, lost the support of Donald Trump. Why? She is out. Ronna McDaniel, who... who you know, since the 2020 election has been this steady champion of Trump and Trumpism is, you know, getting the fate of most of Trump's allies. Uh, you, you know, you, you know, you'll be his friend for a while and then at some point he's going to turn on you. Um, you know, Trump claims that Ronna McDaniel has been ineffective as a fundraiser, is ineffective at beating back all of these attacks. And, um, Last week, at the Donald's insistence, she was replaced in a kind of Game of Thrones move by his own daughter-in-law, Lara Trump, who is a uh, as, who's the co-chair now, Republican co-chair now, who's a TV producer uh, by trade and by a, a Republican uh, state chair from North Carolina, who's kind of the pro in the room, but everybody understands that the Republican National Committee is now a wholly owned subsidiary of the Trump enterprise, which of course it has been informally for the last eight years anyway, but uh, seven years anyway, but now the Trump name, the Trump brand, the whole function of the Republican National Committee is on one thing, which is to try to get Donald Trump back in office rather than support Republican prospects. I uh, tried to watch the uh, Tucker Carlson interview with Putin, and it was like watching grass grow. Did, uh, but I can't recall, did he Did he ask uh, Putin about Navalny? Uh, he did not. And of course, Tucker Carlson is getting even more flack than he would have gotten for that softball interview as the result of um, Navalny's hideous death um, the other day, just you know, hours after the interview was aired, uh, which, by the way, even, even Vladimir Putin uh, claimed in an interview was a softball. Uh, he, Russian interview claimed was a kind of a softball interview. He was surprised at how easy Carlson was on him. Um, you know, it's it's been very interesting to watch the reactions to Navalny's death here. In the no, United no States. reaction from Trump, I gather. Oh, and to the contrary, there has indeed been a reaction. Um, you know, on Truth Social, he posted uh, a little riff comparing Navalny to him, himself and essentially saying that he is being persecuted by the Biden administration the way Navalny is persecuted by Putin. Um, it, he knows no shame, does he? <laughs> I, he makes it about himself. That's all you can say. Whereas, of course, President Biden right out the gate um, said Putin is responsible for uh, Navalny's death. And I think that was phrased in such a way to make it clear that that would be the case, whether 
there was a direct assassination or Mr. Navalny died um, because he has been through so much uh, in his time in prison being poisoned and so on. Um, you know, this, this issue too is fracturing the Republican Party. Um, you've got uh, the substantial old Republican faction, the sort of national security Republicans who are appalled at the Donald's um, refusal to name Putin except to compare himself to Navalny um, and not to criticize him at all, who are appalled at the at Trump's uh, leadership in resisting additional funding for Ukraine. Um, this, this in and of itself is leaving the Republican Party weakened going into this next phase of the cycle. Though, of course, there's plenty going on in foreign policy that weakens Democrats too, most notably, of course, Gaza. The dulcet of Bruce Shapiro, Bruce's uh, contributing editor, with The Nation magazine and executive director of the Dart Centre for Journalism and Trauma at Columbia University. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.